Are you curious about what movies that are set in Alaska are actually filmed there? Or if there are any good Alaska movies that are worth watching? That's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Fleming. My occasional co-host and full-time husband, Jay, and I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. Our guest today is Max Fosberg. Max is our producer, and that means he fixes all our screw-ups. Not only is Max a podcast magician, he's also a movie buff, a film school student, and host of the Excuse the Intermission podcast. Today, we are talking about Alaska in the movies with Max. Hey, thank you so much for having me on here, you guys. Hey, Max. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, love working on this show and uh, to come out from behind the curtain is, is very exciting. And I will always come out from behind the cur- curtain if we're talking movies. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. And I feel like people should know who you are because you're really what makes this work. Like, we couldn't do this without you. There's oh, no way. No, I'm sure you I, could. You could find a way. And uh, hopefully no. you never do because... Then... I couldn't find a way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jay could. <laughs> Jay, do you feel like you could be a podcast producer? No. <laughs> no, we're pretty much screwed without you, Max. Okay. <laughs> I might have tried uh, before we had Max, but now I know what the standard is. And, uh... <laughs> oh, but that, that's that's very flattering, Jay. But, uh, you know, yeah, trust me, it's uh, you, you could figure it out. All right. Well, we'll, we'll take that as a as a theoretical. <laughs> All right. So we are recording this in mid-November. And if you're listening into, to it in real time, you're listening right before the holiday season kicks off in the U.S. at least. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's a time when we maybe watch a little more TV or a few more movies. I know that we do. <laughs> so we were thinking this would be good timing before kind of the dark winter months set in or people are spending a little more time at home to talk about some of these movies. So we were each going to share our top five movies that are set in Alaska Mm -hmm. Um, and they may or may not be filmed there but we'll talk about that as we go so Max since you're our guest do you want to go first yeah yeah absolutely and uh, I will say that you know as uh, only normal people watch more movies during these dark months uh, <laughs> you freaks, watch movies all the time freaks and psychos like me uh i'm constantly <laughs> watching movies i i would be i'm i'm embarrassed to even i, I don't even want to throw out the number of movies that i've cataloged on my favorite app of all time letterbox this year because it is uh it's a little concerning that with how many movies i watch but um alaska is such a great setting for movies uh, you know, it's it's usually what I've found, at least in this last couple of weeks doing my research and watching some of these films, you know, it's a lot of um, broken men uh, fighting yes. against nature, whether it's some sort of animal, some sort of weather, uh, which is usually always the cold. 
Um, Alaska really is is pretty rich as far as a a setting uh, for for Hollywood and uh, Hollywood movies. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun going through these because a lo- <laughs> again, a lot of them you're out you're out in the wilderness, and those those are really really fun to watch. Um, the first movie I have on my list at my number five spot is from 1997 and it it, you know some people will call this a bad movie but i think it's just awesomely bad oh no yeah uh no 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 no, yes it's okay what you're gonna say i'm gonna have to take back everything (laughs) (laughs) 1997 and i was like these type of movies these type of movies have been lost to time where you have you have two stars you put them out in some weird wilderness to fight an animal uh, and each other. I'm talking about the 1997 movie, The Edge, starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's an intellectual billionaire and two other men struggle to band together to, survi- to survive after getting stranded in the Alaskan wilderness with a bloodthirsty Kodiak bear hunting them down. How can that not be good? And that was it's a 90s. very good synopsis. Hey. Well <laughs> done, you. I can't remember. I, I actually, am a, I, I, I'm equivocal about this film. <laughs> but I want to just give a shout out because you mentioned the bear. By far the Emmy or what? Okay, by the way, I am. I don't know anything about cinema. <laughs> I, like, I have such a short attention span. I struggle to make it through entire movies. So... I am going to show my complete and utter ignorance. I am I am merely on this episode as a foil. So, <laughs> I was just trying to remember the name. I, I believe they're called the Oscars. Yes, the Oscars. <laughs> Oscar for that film should go to the bear. It's a trained Kodiak bear whose name escapes me. Bart the bear. Bart. Bart. Yep. Bart is in so many films. Absolutely spectacular. The Danny Trejo of bears. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, love Bart the Bear. Best scene, best part of the scene. <laughs> Looks fierce on camera, but you know there's a treat just behind Anthony Hopkins and someone's holding up going, come on, Bart, look mean. And he's like, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, Bart the Bear was a huge actor in the 90s. Uh, if you go back and look at his filmography on IMDb, which he actually does oh, as, as an animal, have a filmography. Um oh. He does. <laughs> Starting in 1988, his first movie he ever was in, uh, or excuse me, no, he started in, when is that? Yeah, 1988. Uh, the Great Outdoors, which is a great comedy movie. Oh, uh, yes. He shows up again in the mid-90s in a couple of movies with The Giant of Thunder Mountain, which I've never seen, but sounds amazing. Legends of the Fall, again, another Anthony Hopkins movie. So he has worked with Mr. Sir Hopkins before. A few times. Uh, He's in 12 Monkeys. We meet again, Hopkins. (laughs) Which is like a weird sci-fi movie. Uh, He does The Edge, and then The Edge is his second to last film. In 1998, he does Meet the Deedles, and then he retires. Um but a, a star of the screen uh, for, for, sure. for a yeah. bear. It's amazing. I had no idea that. I mean, obviously, he's a real bear in the movie. You know, we're not at the CGI 
era of, of film yet where where we can you know put a cgi bear in like something in in the revenant but um yeah bart the bear just a huge shout out to him and gosh i love i love the edge okay i'll give you that so um max are you putting yours in order you said it was at the number five spot yeah. Is that, are you working up to the best? Because I didn't put mine in order. Yeah. And, and, and best is, is just favorite, you know, the favorites of, of, yeah. of, 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 of the five. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, this this would come in at, at the five spot for me. OK, so should we keep going with you or should we go like around the table for each one? Uh, no, let's let's hear. Let's hear your guys number five. OK, Jay, what's yours? Jay, you're uh not you're muted or something i can hear you through the hole but i can't hear you <laughs> hello yes hello. okay so i oh <laughs> man honestly i could have easily done five worst and one best <laughs> but i do i do i a couple of my bests are going to require some qualifications mm. um but i'm going to start off my five with a film called frozen ground which mm. is too close in title to one of my worst films. Well, we'll get there later. <laughs> but uh, The Frozen Ground is a film um, about, it's a, about a true, it's based on the, a, a true story about a serial killer in Anchorage called Robert Hansen. And it is a 2013 film, I think, 2012, 2013, 2013. Um, and it stars Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. And, Oh my God, is John Cusack terrifying in this film? <laughs> I was, He's I was really raised, incredible. He's so so scary. Yeah, I was I was raised on the John Cusack kind of eighties Brat Pack movies, right? So in the turnaround for him being a completely creepy serial killer was <laughs> it really like got that that like uh, anyway, great film uh, about the Anchorage. Um, uh, search for this guy as uh, all took place in the 19 early 1980s which was kind of a, a different era in anchorage and all of alaska you know just after the huge boom of the oil pipeline construction anchorage was still a lot more gritty than it is today um, really well written film uh, it's one of those that you don't for me not the kind of movie i want to watch just for bed it's, I mean, it's, or with, it's not family friendly no and i, I would say adults only because of the subject matter yeah i mean there's nothing that particularly graphic in the movie but the thriller component of it is yeah intense yeah 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 so, uh, that it's it's a great artifact too of uh kind of that that era of Nicolas Cage movies where you know there were lots of rumors swirling around that he had gone to completely broke and this is like in the middle of him firing off I want to say he did like 16 movies in like three years and then, and Frozen Ground is right in the middle of that uh, so it's it's a really interesting to uh, artifact of, of Cage's career to go look at him during this time when even though now you know he's he's kind of you know pulled it back together and and has become kind of a a a lister or or at least higher than where he was at this point because uh, it was kind of just like oh this is another crappy Nicolas Cage movie straight to DVD or straight to streamer 
Um, and uh, it is it is a remarkable performance from him and Cusack. And, yeah. you know, I love that you touched on Cusack there because he is he is kind of, you know, as you said, from the 80s, the say anything um, brat pack, yeah. like, you know, love interest throughout his career. Yeah. And then kind of lovable, slight weirdo, but like the, right. the always the star. High Honestly, fidelity when, and gross point bl- yeah. blank. And then to do a total turn here in his career and, and be this menacing and this scary, just fantastic stuff. Well, I'm going to say too, uh, when I saw the billing for this film, I thought that Nicolas Cage was going to be the villain. Right. And John Cusack was going to be the hero. So I was like really shocked by that. Also, I thought I found it really interesting, uh, partly because there was a film a few years earlier than that, maybe a oh gosh, late nineties even called uh, that. It's interesting you you talk about the kind of fall of of, of um, Nick Cage there, but I he started a film called Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, have you seen it? Oh yeah, I was a firefighter when that came out, and and it really spoke to me. It's about this sort of, it's a I don't know kind of a psychological it's basically about about it an ambulance driver who's kind of losing it um but it really resonated with me at the time because uh anyway so i was like um into i was expecting though him to be this like kind of dark damaged character that mm-hmm. he was at film in and anyway so the, the like turnabout was just striking also I have to say that while Bart the Bear was the unexpected hero to me of The Edge, the unexpected hero of um, The Frozen Crown was a cameo that's all of like 30 seconds long by Fiddy Set. Who was, <laughs> he was, was he in a strip club? No, he was a pimp. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that film recently. Jenny, I don't know if you, but anyway, yeah, Fiddy Cent gets a scene in Anchorage. I believe he has never been to Anchorage. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but, but anyway, that was. Oh. Anyway, that's, that's all I've got to say for... Was Do you know, do you happen to know if Frozen Ground was actually filmed in Alaska? It was. Almost entirely. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's great. Because... Uh, yeah. yeah. going... Actually, I had that movie as one of my top five as yeah. well. Um, so instead of saying, again, the reasons why it's great that Jay already said, I'll, I can, yeah, throw in that it that all the... Not all the indoor stuff, you know, because there was a lot like every movie that was done on like a soundstage in right. L.A. somewhere. Um, like, I believe the 50 Cent scene was not filmed in Anchorage, but all <laughs> the outdoor scenes were all filmed in Anchorage or the surrounding area. Some of the scenes take place um, kind of on a recreational cabin property. Mm. Um, and yeah, the entire film was shot in 26 days really oh my god that's impressive when you see it because yeah. it does not look like a i mean it's a minimally produced film you know yeah. it's not like and that works with the, the sort of edgy understated 80s and yes. stuff. but <laughs> even yeah that's... and the only other things i would add about that movie that we haven't already talked about are that it also um one of the key people who brought Robert Hansen down in the true story was a woman who escaped from him and she worked with um, the Alaska state troopers. So in the movie that was Nicholas cage um, to 
that was how he ultimately got captured, oh, um, wow. which is really also pretty amazing. And I just felt like that film really captured kind of an Alaska winter vibe in a in a way in Anchorage at least in a way that there's another film I'll talk about that also does that but um yeah I thought that was a really uh, nice touch that not every movie has it felt very very winter in Anchorage yeah uh and and just to reverse back a little bit the edge was was mainly shot in Canada uh I I did I did look that up uh, and, and, and Canada will come up throughout, uh, yes, <laughs> this episode, <laughs> so much Canada in this episode. Okay. Max, what's your number four? Uh, what, what's your, what's your number five? Was it frozen ground? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was one of my five. So yeah. I just went off that cause that had already come up. My number four is another, <laughs> broken man. Uh, in in Alaska, in the wilderness, fighting against the cold, uh, and this one stars Liam Neeson, and it's The Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, I, it's it's interesting that all these uh, that a lot of action movies take place in Alaska. Uh, yeah. this was definitely during the time when Taken had uh, had come out, uh, and and Liam Neeson has kind of had kind of become the new action star of of the week. Uh, but the gray is actually a pretty awesome movie. Uh, just from, you know, it it takes a lot from other movies, right? It's got the castaway, uh, plane crash in the beginning, but then we're out on this tundra and the main villain other than the weather is a pack of wolves. Um, which is, you know, it's different from a bear because most Alaska movies, I feel like, go after bears but uh in this it's it's a pack of wolves and you've got liam neeson and this ragtag crew of i believe they're like oil drillers uh that were flying up 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 to alaska uh Mm. and then their plane goes down uh really fun 90 minute tight action movie um yeah just enjoy this is this is one that i actually return to pretty pretty often as, as a rewatchable. Nice. I don't remember that film super well. I remember that Liam Neeson is, is Liam Neeson. I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, I, like, I, I think his wife has perished at, to some tragic yeah, accident. He's a lonely know. man. He has a lot Bro. of inner monologue stuff that, that <laughs> goes on. But um, one thing I had, I have a hard time sometimes with the, like I'm totally fine with full on, um, you know, sci-fi or fantasy, but sometimes uh, edge cases of reality can really stick my um, my suspension of disbelief, and and it really bugs me because no, there is no I've never heard of anyone being required to defend themselves against wolves, like in a corporate setting in Alaska. Now polar bear guards, big deal on the North Slope and in the oil industry, mm-hmm. but not wolves. I mean, they're dangerous. They can be. Uh, yeah. at times but there's not a real it's not a real <laughs> so i had a hard time a little bit with that but but it's uh it's it is a very yeah it's a very liam neeson thriller kind of film and you're right it it probably is maybe the quintessential of the alaskan trope of man versus nature 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's actually interesting. The Edge, I actually was thinking, I think I get them mixed up in my head sometimes. They're very similar in, in not in style, but in, in uh, yeah. I, I'm yeah, get- both of them, in addition to starting with the letter the or the word the <laughs> and being two letter titles. They also are both in the, like Max said, the like broken man struggle against nature. I would add survival yeah, genre, yeah, yep. which survival is a genre well. that I can't really do. It but- just makes me too stressed out. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so that's a good one. Um, Jay, what would you, what's your next on your list? All right, I now now we begin the descent into weirdness that Jay is going to lay on you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to put for my number four, not necessarily saying it's a great film, uh, but I'm going to say it's uh, it is an important film about Alaska. Uh, the title of the film is North to Alaska. It is uh, a John Wayne film. Yes. From the late 50s. Well, I guess it's early 60s. I if think you it was heard, 1960. 60, yeah. It is the, it was right after Alaska got statehood, which was uh, in 59. So Alaska was like super popular in the news. Here's the thing about the film. I've actually never sat through the whole thing. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's pretty terrible. It's, it's a, a Western, comedic Western. Okay, but here's, there's a few things reasons why I feel like it's important. First of all, the love interest is named Jen, so we just, you know, just got to roll with that. Yeah. Um, second, Aww. it stars, it stars John Wayne. I mean, come on. Well, and John Wayne in a comedic role, comedic role, way actually kind of pretty far outside his his uh, typecasting as well. Absolutely. And and kind of uh, well, anyway. Also, um, the 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 song "North to Alaska," which if you worked in tourism in Alaska, you will despise with all your soul because you can't get it out of your head. <laughs> Written for that movie, um, that's it's the, the worst earworm of all time. No I question. really, really want to, uh, really want to, to to sing it, but I will not, uh, it, out of respect for all of our listeners. Um. Let's see. There are some other kind of oddities about it. One, absolutely no Alaska scenery was harmed by the filming of this movie. It was entirely shot at uh, the Mammoth, basically near the Mammoth ski area in in California. Mm. And if you see the film, it's real obvious. <laughs> yeah, the trees. Sure the trees like, are a dead giveaway. Yeah, that sure looks like the California. Yeah, the trees don't work. It's not right. Uh, but I also have a a tiny moment. The first time I actually found out about this film, I had no idea it existed. I was at the time a mechanic for a tour company, not in the time the film was made, not alive then. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But at the the first time I heard about this, I was driving a well. I was I was a mechanic. I shouldn't have been driving a tour bus, but there was a snafu with a tour, and I ended up being called back into action to drive a tour bus out of Skagway, Alaska. Uh, with very little warning, and I ended up taking a tour of Taiwanese folks who spoke no English at all, but had a translator who was leading this tour for them. And I drove them up into the mountains, no idea what was really going on. I was very confused. It was a, a last-ditch moment. But the entire time that their 
uh, narrator kept pointing at me and then doing a John Wayne imitation. Or a partner. And then they kept wanting me to do John Wayne things. I would stop at picture stops and they wanted me to like pick people up and they asked me, and he asked me if I had a cowboy hat I could wear. And I was totally confused. And eventually I figured out it was because they thought the film North Alaska had been filmed there in the mountains in Skagway. And they decided to compare me to John Wayne. And just for the record, I am not John Wayne. Oh. Don't look like John Wayne. What? Don't sell yourself short. I right? I'm, but anyway, so that's that's my call for number four. And I'm willing to bet I did not steal anyone else's pick. You know what, Jay? I'm I'm super excited you you brought this movie up because I've never seen it. And I can't wait to go watch it. I've thrown it on the watch list. It's got a 3.2 rating out of five on Letterboxd. And it's directed by uh, Henry Hathaway, who also directed the original True Grit, which got John Wayne his only Oscar. Um, Oh, really? You know, I... Listen, I'm I'm always down for an old cowboy movie. So okay, there's a couple of funny things about it that I found out. I remember it was like it almost didn't get it did, almost didn't get um, released because there was a bath scene with oh gosh, is it Jane Mansfield? I can't remember. Anyway, one of the like female stars, but they didn't have enough foam in the bath <laughs> for the censors to like be okay with. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There's some bit about the foam in the bath that's really like a, an oddity. Uh, I just thought that was kind of a that was kind of a funny one. Um, also, the 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 um, the song there was like oh, it was in litigation forever because it kind of ripped off a number of other songs, mm. uh, like the yeah, it sounded just like like the song about the Bismarck. It was like another Johnny Horton song. Anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny one. Uh, I I don't know if I could say I recommend it exactly, but it's it's a, it's a it is an I would say it, it is both a result and created some of the canon about Alaskan lore in that period of time when people were very there's a lot of romantic thought about driving the Alaska Highway up there. It was you know it was before oil, so it was it seemed a lot more remote at the time. Anyway. Yeah, and and uh, there's it, the uh, uh, the synopsis says there's some stuff in Seattle in this movie too. Oh yeah, Seattle so actually a double plays dip. a big part. <laughs> Seattle plays a big part. Yeah, in the, it's yeah. a real winner. Yeah. yeah, well, like I said, it's on my watch list. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> okay, so for my next one, I'm gonna take this in a totally di- uh, different direction with the. 2009 rom-com the proposal nice yes and it's not really a great film i mean you i don't <laughs> think anyone can like it's a rom-com right like it's I mean, a rom-com with two very likable stars in the middle of it right you've got right? sandra bullock I mean, and uh ryan reynolds and they yeah. have pretty good chemistry right I mean, who doesn't love them? So that makes it great right there. Um, I don't love them. <laughs> well, no, you, okay. Actually, I, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, so even though I also just want to say for the record that I do not condone strong arming your assistant into marriage to solve your immigration problems, I, I don't, I don't recommend that as like a, a less, a life lesson. However, um, the movie is fun. And um, yeah, 
it's fun. Uh, also, I feel like it was kind of weird and just random that the whole deal is that Sandra Bullock's character was Canadian, but and she had to marry, you know, an American. The storyline is it's a rom-com, so the storyline <laughs> isn't that important. But Ryan Reynolds is, like, legitimately Canadian, so I'm kind of like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> anyway, not that it's about their actual people. It's about their characters. But anyway, um, so it's just kind of a fun movie. It is set in the small Southeast Alaska community of Sitka. And uh, for the majority of the film like 99.9% of the film was filmed in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah. I'm not sure why, but it was. However, there are some cool, there are two random, very hyper-local Sitka facts in this film that I are what I think make it really special. <laughs> so one of them is, so I'm not sure if it was the director or the writer or the producer, but there was somebody who spent several months in Sitka um, before making the film, I guess, to get to know it better or whatever. And so that might account for these two things. Okay, the first one is, uh, so Betty White was also in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and she... Betty, yes. Betty White? There's wow. only one Betty White, Jay. <laughs> um... Okay, so there was a Clinket um, wedding chant. So the Clinket people are um, the native people in the Sitka area and much of um, much of what we call Southeast Alaska. And um, there was a wedding chant that was actually composed like an original kind of composition for Betty White for this movie. So that's pretty cool. Right. Not not only is it like an authentic um, thing from Clinket culture, but also, you know, it, I don't know. It's just cool. So that's a fun fact. And then the other one is that the bartender in the proposal um, is based on a real person who I have met. Oh, really? How yeah. accurate. Not the actor, the real, the yeah. real bartender, the real, the real bartender. guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, um, is a real guy who's a bartender at the Westmark Hotel in Sitka. And apparently he's quite well known. People come in there all the time and talk. About, and, you know, I had only the time that I met him, I was there with other people for like a conference. And um, somebody was like, oh, that's the bartender from the proposal. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I kind of forgot about the proposal. Anyway, so, yeah, random facts. So I'll go with the proposal. Okay. Max? Yes. How about you? What's your number three? My number three, uh, we're going to go with a documentary from 2005. One of my absolute favorite movies uh, of all time. I think it's on my top 100 list, uh, and that is Grizzly Man. Have you guys ever seen this movie? Jay, would you like to speak to that? I, that's on my that's my worst pick. Oh actually, no, really? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay, well let me oh, go to bat before okay, it, before we have, have a fist fight about this one. <laughs> so this is uh, directed by Werner Herzog. Yes, <laughs> which, <laughs> and is a you know uh, it's about a. Uh, grizzly bear activist Timothy Treadwell um, and Amy. 
Hugnard, forgive me for that uh, pronunciation, uh, who were killed in October of 2003 while living among grizzly bears in Alaska. Again, it's, it's a documentary kind of talking about Timothy Treadwell and uses a lot of his own footage that he would go up to the uh, Alaskan wilderness, uh, what, every summer and interact with these grizzly bears. Now, I don't, I would never, A, I would never ever do that myself, and I don't think anyone should do this. Um, but Timothy Treadwell really captures some pretty amazing footage uh, being amongst these bears. And of course, you know, spoiler alert, but it does not end well. Um, after going up there for, I think, what, what was it, seven years or something like that? And supposedly based on a true story but maybe now jay can uh, squash my all my dreams and hopes of of loving this movie and tell me it's all fake uh it's not all fake yeah, um it's not fake that that i don't think is the problem I mean, is it jay he's he's the only bear researcher ever who filmed his own murder by bears mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's real <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so the issues that I have with that film are mostly about Treadwell himself. I mean, I think the the film itself isn't the problem necessarily, except that it promotes and to some degree glorifies a man who I think should uh, die in infamy and never be talked about. Mm. Um, so Treadwell was, um, I think, was basically just a weirdo. Uh, I think that that giving him credit as some sort of activist or uh, ac- expert is not correct. And I think they gave him too much credit. Um, but he essentially thought that because he had gotten lucky a lot of times that he had some sort of mystical connection. knowledge connection with bears. That was just the fact that bears are unpredictable. Right. It's someone who plays Russian roulette nine times in a row and is like well i can't be killed by this we'll be killed by it eventually right right and that was what happened the national park service who i was once upon a time a member of and was in alaska during treadwell's plane there were people who were quite swayed in a very spiritual way by treadwell mm. and it even swayed some uh, public lands a policy where people started being like, well, bears aren't as dangerous as we make them out to be. People don't need to carry guns to defend themselves against bears. Yeah, no, they, they do. And yeah. they are. And so I think that he had a negative impact on um, bears. He also made up all kinds of stuff that he was like protecting bears from poachers. There isn't really a problem with poaching mm. anywhere around the areas he worked. He, um, also like uh uh he he constantly fought with the national park service about their restrictions uh that were well intentioned to save idiots like himself (laughs) and so you know he kind of played the like bad government card they don't know what they're talking about and you know the year i'm trying to remember which year he died um, Uh, 2003 three in the next three years like I know three different people who were killed by bears in Alaska yeah. in the years following. 
And I really, I mean, it's not like I blame him for it, but he's to me is a, a bit of it. We'll talk about this in a minute uh, on some of my other choices, but we'll talk about like, I have a particular beef with people from, especially out of the state who get all spiritually moved by Alaska in some way mm. like cause trouble. <laughs> and that's what I, I cause trouble. Jade, you mean like unnecessarily use a lot of emergency resources in particular as a, as a person in the world of emergency services. Yes. But also maybe promote ideas that are just not on they're not maybe, uh, I mean, uh, over-spiritualized ideas that are not consistent with the reality of uh, living in wild lands, I yeah. guess I would say. Anyway, so that's my beef with it. The film itself is, I have not watched all of it, but I have seen some of it, and I think it's well put together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to fault your choice. <laughs> I'm going to fault him for existing (laughs) well you know i think i think the film does it's interesting because when i when i do watch this i i am never really on the side of treadwell i i think the film does show that like this guy was kind of mentally unstable i mean every time he's near a bear you are like you know get away from the bear like what and 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 the way treadwell does like talk throughout the film about this connection that he feels with these bears does make you think like okay this guy was just kind of like a bit of a um uh, he had some loose nails in his head right some loose screws uh and and so for that, I, I guess I guess you're right. Calling him an activist is probably the wrong term there. I will say that it is a extremely entertaining documentary. And and you know, ultimately, even when he perishes uh at at the end of the film, and they, they don't show you the footage, but they, they let you listen to it. Uh yeah, they play the yeah, and it is it is pretty gripping, and but then also is like, the, what I took away from it was like, well, well, yeah, of course this was how it was going to end. You can't just go play, have playtime with these wild animals and think you're part of the right? the pack or or I, I yeah. don't know what a what a pack of bears are called. They're yeah. uh, <laughs> solitary. Yeah, sol- just- yeah. Not, not where he was working too. The other thing about it is, he was working at a very unusual population of bears. Yeah, it is quite unusual. No, and you know, I think in in defense of the film too, you know, like Werner Herzog was sort of, and I sometimes think this is a little bit of filmmakers' dodge. But he <laughs> says, you know, he's basically just I'm just presenting, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Um, and and he did what I think is good in the documentarian sense, especially when you're talking about something kind of with a, a lot of. Um, connotations of uh, the sort that he kind of lets Treadwell speak for himself and you can make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little unfair for me to, to pick on it as a, a worse. No, film. no, I, I, I think, I, I think it's all very, very important points. And, you know, actually bringing this list to, to you guys today, this, what this movie was like my most, I was, I was 
uh, intrigued the most to hear what you guys thought about Treadwell and his, and this film. So it's good to know uh, that uh, he he was kind of you know crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Nuts. Completely nuts. <laughs> It definitely, like, I think Jay is right that some of his followers created some, like, dangerous, maybe not policies, but, like, practices that got a little, a little sketchy. Yeah. But I, for me, I just can't watch this kind of a movie. Mm. Okay. You know, like, I, I, I can watch it at home to get the basic idea and fast forward through the majority of it. That's kind of. It just, it's just too, it just like is such torture to be like, this person is going to die. Yeah. You know? And especially when you know that he died ahead of time, which you would because it's a documentary. Um, Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it it is kind of a descent into one man's madness, but like in real life and and that is extremely tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Really tough. Okay, Jay, do you want to go to another one? Sure. Um, I mean, on the, 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 I guess we're kind of on a run of like dark and intense movies. So <laughs> That's okay. I'll fix it in a minute. I mean, I was started with North Alaska, so I am going to shift hard. Well, no, you just said a rom-com. So what am I saying? I am going <laughs> to. I know. That's what I'm saying is I kept it light with my proposal. You did. You did. I'm going to bring it back, bring it back around to, um, a film called Insomnia. Yes, this is also on my list. <laughs> it's on your list, Max? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 2002 film. Uh, it is based on uh, a Norwegian novel or film? Film. Uh, film, yeah. Sweden, and... Sweden film. Have you ever seen that version? No. Oh, man. It, it's, it's even darker and grosser. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I should... Uh, okay, I mean, you, you, it, this this film stars Al Pacino, Robin Williams, Hilary Swank. I mean, you can, you know, casting like that. And then the film is set in a fictional town in Alaska. Uh, it's about an LAPD cop. There's a lot uh, of internal conflict about a police shooting. Um, anyway, it's it's a dark and intense film. I really love, it was almost entirely filmed in Alaska or a lot of the scenes were filmed in Alaska and filmed in parts of Alaska that maybe don't always get filmed as much. Um, Valdez, Stewart and Hyder, which are um, Valdez is in South central. Hyder is really a deep cut into uh, like random locations in Alaska for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Max, what, what was it that you liked about the film? Well, so this is this is from the director Christopher Nolan, uh, who you know a lot oh. of uh, film nerds like myself. Well, unlike myself, but a lot of film nerds consider Christopher Nolan to be like the greatest living director right now. Uh, and every new Christopher Nolan movie that comes out is the greatest he's ever made. But I actually did he, the, did, he did he do Memento? Is he that- did Memento. He's done uh, the Batman trilogy. He's done Inception, oh, Interstellar. Yeah. Oppen- he just had Oppenheimer this past year. Um, okay. So okay. he's a very important person in film culture, uh, especially right now. Um, but this has always 
for some reason been my favorite Christopher Nolan film because he's not he is a a director who likes to kind of mess with time or pull tricks and and say you know look how smart I am at making movies when this is really just a straight up detective story it's got the uh the component of this town that they're in it's daylight right for for 24 hours the sun never uh-huh. goes down which does that actually happen in some towns yeah, in, in alaska absolutely. Yeah. How, how long does that last well it depends on where you are jenny you're you're muted oh sorry not it doesn't happen in the towns where the movie was filmed mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does happen in alaska yeah, yeah. and yeah. it just kind of depends where you're at for how long yeah yeah, north. so further north you go, you will get at least one 24-hour day at the Arctic Circle, mm. and then more as you go further north. I will say that I thought that was a great plot point, too, and having lived in Alaska for 20-some years, you know, it does start to mess with your head sometimes. The, like, no darkness or no light days when you're in yeah. the, like, it, it can add to a surreal not out of... One of my best friends and I were snowmobiling once in the opposite end of this in the winter. Mm. And we had been riding most of the day. The sun just barely peeked over the horizon. And we stopped once and we were like, we had this weird feeling we'd somehow like more like in an alternate universe or something. We were both talking about how weird it felt. We're like, wait, did we, we lost track of time and yeah. you know, it's a really weird uh, uh, experience. And I felt like that was actually kind of well represented in a way in this you know the, the insomnia is also referencing guilt and all kinds of other things I felt like that that was really good I love that yeah yeah and I, I also think it's like one of Pacino's last like good performances before he goes on this run of just <laughs> absolute Crap. stinkers up until you know like the Irishman oh. in 2019 uh, oh. and also it gives us Robin Williams in a you know much like his role in one one hour photo a a dark um yeah. villainous role which was something you never really saw from from robin and rightly so because he was like one of the funniest guys ever uh to yeah. be on screen but i i just love i i, I just know, love the pace of the movie I, I i love a good whodunit and you know these type of movies don't really exist uh, anymore and don't get made you know this is this is a small budget from a from a big time director telling a pretty straightforward simple story um with some surreal stuff in there with, with the daylight it's just fantastic it's it's very atmospheric in a yeah. way that i like and and i think I, it makes sense that it's based on a nor our swedish film i like the atmospherics of their genres of film and i feel like it has a reasonable connection to that. I actually wouldn't have thought of it as a particularly low, like it makes a lot of sense. I think I didn't make the connection until you mentioned it, but yeah, that's funny that Robin Williams is a villain, bad character in this. Yeah. John, maybe Alaska films are where, where, where comedic <laughs> characters go to try out being <laughs> their dark shadow selves. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a great setting the, for that. That's what the, Proposal was missing. Was it? Yeah. Those <laughs> needed to be. It was. It needed Ryan Reynolds to be a serial killer. 
Well, uh, you know, Sandra or, Bullock. Let's make Sandra uh, Bullock yeah. a serial killer. Or Sandra, she could she could carry it off for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys about that film. That it just really is a spectacularly well made movie that captures a lot. Totally agree. Okay, so this is my last feel good one on my list. <laughs> You ready? Yeah. I, I am going to say, for, for those of you who are still listening, who are still with us at this point, however many movies in we are now, um, I am going to say that if you are looking for a feel-good movie about Alaska that doesn't have anything grim or <laughs> no people being attacked by wild animals, no surviving in a frozen wilderness no serial killers, no, nothing like that, then I would highly recommend to you the only good movie about Alaska, I would argue, that was made in the 90s, mm. which is the 1999 film Mystery Alaska. Oh, Mystery Alaska. I've never seen Not this one either. Not one single frame or moment was filmed in Alaska. However, it's a great movie. So... Oh, yeah. this is the hockey, the hockey the movie. The hockey movie, yeah. I will also movie. say I don't normally like sports movies, <laughs> but it's I do like movie. a couple. There are three sports movies that I like, and this is one of them. So yeah. we, on, on ETI this year, we did a top five sports movies episode, Ooh. and I, I think we had like three guests on for it. Uh, it was a big episode, so it's very long. But I do remember my good friend Ryan uh, – had this movie on his uh, really? list. Yeah. And he, he wow, swears I'm by surprised. it and loves it. Uh, yeah, Russell Crowe is, is, is in this film, Burt Reynolds. Yes. Uh, yes. And yeah, he says it's, it's just a really great uplifting tale. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a, the it's whole a, thing <laughs> was filmed near um, Canmore, Alberta, which is near Banff for mm-hmm. anyone who, is following along about Alaska's body doubles as we've been talking. Uh, anywhere in Canada is a frequent one. And uh, this is one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I just love, I just have to reiterate what I was saying earlier that this is a hockey movie and a feel good sort of like hometown positive kid sort of feeling movie starring Russell Crowe. Yeah. Uh, which I, yeah. Uh, so this is where like more like, villainous or more uh, <laughs> people can, can try out being the heroes. Maybe, maybe Alaska is just where, where you can go and where make... a gladiator can become a hometown hero. Exactly. Yeah. In a good yeah. way, not in a gladiator way. It's a good <laughs> okay. job. Well, he's a gladiator on the ice. Okay. I want to mash up because I always mix up mystery Alaska with um, uh, miracle, which is about the hockey. How could you, Jay? How could you mix <laughs> up your hockey films? I want to mix up of those two films with Gladiator and um, uh, oh gosh, I just spaced out the other one. Uh, the figure skating movie, The Cutting Edge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, I. I never made the connection, but I'm sure you're right. Not a single scene from there could possibly have been filmed in Alaska. No, it wasn't. And, and at the time, so we were living in Alaska when this movie came out. And so I looked it up and it was like, no, all Alberta. Wow. 
if you're watching a movie that was made after 1995, it's probably it Canada. was almost for sure Alberta, <laughs> <laughs> or or partially Alberta at least. Oh, Jenny, which was the the um. Oh, the martial arts movie that was filmed in Vancouver, Rumble in the Bronx with uh, Jackie Chan. Yeah. You mean Rumble in Vancouver? <laughs> Which was so clearly shot in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly shot in Vancouver. There was one scene, I know that's not Alaska, but cruise ships that go to Alaska go from Vancouver, so it's related. When it originally came out and I saw it in the theater in the 90s, they fixed this before they put it on DVD, but you could actually see some of the coast mountains like behind a parking garage that was supposed to be in the Bronx. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's on Howe Street. <laughs> anyway. Right. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with everybody's top two. Hi, this is Jenny. And I am really excited to tell you about my brand new Alaska Adventure planner and workbook. It's super cool. I've had a planner before, but this one is really awesome because it is a beautiful customizable Google Sheet that you get and you can do all the things you need to do to plan your Alaska trip and keep it all in one place. And you can share it with your Alaska travel companions. And it includes everything from what order to do things in to worksheets to keep track of everything. And it is really an awesome tool. And I base this tool based on what I use to plan trips for my travel planning clients. And that is based on what I use to plan trips for myself. So this is a tool that has been a long time in development, and I am really excited to share it with you. If you want to pick it up, you can head to ordinary-adventures.com slash Alaska-adventure-planner. So once again, that's on my website at ordinary dash adventures.com slash Alaska dash adventure dash planner and you can check it all out. I'll also put a link to it in the show notes. Enjoy. All right. And we are back with Max Fosberg, our producer and movie buff and movie professional. And so we are talking about movies set and filmed in alaska so um max your your like number two or whatever was also insomnia yes like like jay okay all right cool so you've just got one more to share and Mm -hmm. jay and i each have two yeah yes okay jay what's your what's your number two okay i am gonna go uh for my number two as a film from the 80s um Made uh, directly from a an autobiography, and this is a nice little turnaround because this is a movie filmed entirely in Alaska, but not set there. So this is ah. uh, *My Wolf*, uh, film adaptation of Farley Mallet's autobiography. Excellent book, funny, important actually. I think for its day about environmental issues and the like. The movie is pretty darn good for a movie filmed in the early 80s um it is filmed in alaska but it the the actual story it's telling was set in the canadian arctic i think it's kind of weird <laughs> just because so many things from alaska are always shot 
about Alaska are shot in Canada. I have no idea the dynamics that led to a film about Canada being shot in Alaska, but that's how it worked out. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I think it is, uh, it's a little, it's a little light maybe compared to the the book itself, which is, uh, I think maybe I think Dis, it's a Disney movie it is production. A Disney movie, yeah. I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, and that humors it a little because the book itself has some pretty great humor in it about uh, almost, oh, for example, almost crashing a, a beaver, which is a, a, a float plane, because he filled his entire canoe full of beer um, <laughs> pieces of beer, which you know, not in the film, and I guess not. Disney was, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's not Mickey yeah. Mouse material, Jay. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, and also maybe a bit of an an antidote to the gray in a way. Yeah. The film is basically about, um, in the 60s, folks, and this is a a trope in Alaska of uh, folks blaming the decline of any particular um, harvest species on a predator. So, we were actually just visiting with some folks from Alaska over the weekend and they were talking about how in the 1940s and 50s, the governor of Alaska had a $2 bounty on every bald eagle someone would kill um, to preserve fish populations. Wow. And similarly, there was a decline in caribou in the, the 60s that was being blamed on wolf predation and there was a wolf killing program and um, Farley Mowat proved that wasn't the, the cause. So kind of an interesting story. So it, that one's all about redeeming wolves. So Liam Neeson uh, could square off against Farley Mowat. In a case, <laughs> my money's on Liam Neeson, but you know. <laughs> anyway, pretty good, pretty good film. Um, not on the the like cinematic level of Insomnia or yeah, uh, The Edge or one of those, but 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 pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Uh, and yeah, I think I think it would be a great uh, double feature with the gray. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yes. we the mashup back and forth. Yes. <laughs> Jenny. Okay, my number two is a 1985 film, Runaway Train. Oh my god. <laughs> I know that Jay has not seen Runaway Train because nope. you don't do the train genre. Of film <laughs> how do you um, not do the train genre <laughs> have you ever seen no. unstoppable oh. by tony scott oh my oh. gosh so That's, good here's the thing i i was a firefighter i i worked a trauma incident at a train accident oh and no I the train movies okay okay no, well it's then bad. yeah no trains I, but i i do train movies I will, with headphones I, so there's no train noises oh man this will come back later to a, a related thing, but um, I will make Jenny like tell me if there's if the train stays like, on. Is the there going to be a train in this movie? And then I'll Google it and be like, nope, there's no train. <laughs> or yes, there's a train at you know hour like one. Kid, you know, he's like, uh, is is this going to be scary? I'm like, we'll fast forward through the scary parts, Jay. <laughs> And and the last time that I was watching Runaway Train and you came in and you're like, what is that? And I was like, this is why the headphones are. Well, part of it is though because they they that film really captures this like creepy winter vibe. Oh yeah, it's an awesome oh, film. It. It's really intense. Yes. Yeah. 
and it it does get a little it squeezes just a little bit too close to the edge of a survival movie for me mm. but mm. it's not like they're not freezing to death or being eaten by animals they're just going on a fast train with no brakes and no driver for like half the movie <laughs> sounds autobiographical for me but um wait i thought it was about a prison break it is about a prison break thank oh, you okay. for yes <laughs> keeping me on track here okay so this is legitimately a good film like it's it's actually very well done the acting is excellent in fact john voight who was a youngish man um, as the lead in this film, won a Golden Globe Award for his performance. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm not kidding. Not that the Golden Globes mean a movie is good necessarily, but just saying it's not only it's an me. award. <laughs> yeah, it's an award. And it was this movie was nominated for quite a few Oscars also, although I don't think it won any. It might have for like film editing or something kind of obscure. But, um, yeah, it's a great film. So the first part of the film takes place in a prison. And um, John Voight's character, who's the main character in the film, um, has been in solitary confinement forever. He wins a court case, he gets out, and then he eventually breaks out with another inmate. And um, then they escape the prison by train. But unfortunately, and this is not really a spoiler, like if you read a description of this film, it would tell you this. Unfortunately, the driver of the train has a heart attack and dies and falls off somehow in that process. Mm. There are a few things that are not super plausible. It's not a documentary. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, and then also the brakes are fail. So mm. I feel like you have to be very unlucky to have like the train driver die and the brakes fail at yeah. the same time while you are trying to escape prison but that is what the movie is about well yeah i'm i'm, I'm checking it out on on letterbox right now and uh yeah it's got a 3.6 out of 5 john yeah. Voight, eric roberts rebecca de mornay i'm the director of tango and cash i'm yes. in i'm 100 yeah. in I'm, this is good. going on the watch list yeah it's a good one and it was filmed mostly in alaska there are a few scenes that were filmed in montana uh, the prison, the uh, the exterior of the prison was in Montana, um, but it was filmed in February in Alaska around um, the towns of Whittier and Portage. Portage isn't really a town, but it's an area where the Alaska Railroad goes through and the train um, is not like the Alaska Railroad cars and engines are very distinctive because they're blue and gold. They look like the Alaska flag. And I'm sure the Alaska Railroad was like, you can come and film your movie on our track, <laughs> but like you can't use our train. You can't show our train wrecking. That's that's not really OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> anyway, work. so it's like this very grim sort of um, it kind of looks like the train in Goldeneye. Mm. The, the James Bond movie. Yeah. The, the grim gray train. It kind of looks like that. Um, yeah. But it's a great movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, we're at our very top one. And then before we wrap up, we're going to talk about the worst Alaska films that we've <laughs> ever seen. Okay, so top, Max, Well, what's the best one? I feel like things have been getting too cheery, so I need to bring horror 
into the horror genre in, into Alaska. Uh, and I'm going with the 2007 film 30 Days of Night. I had this and Insomnia is kind of like my, my top two as far as we have a movie where the sun never goes down. Now we have a movie where the sun never comes yes. up. Yes. Um, this is after an Alaskan town is uh, plunged into darkness for a month. It is attacked by bloodthirsty gang of vampires. Um, oh, so it's legit a horror movie. Straight up horror. Okay. Uh, it stars Josh Hartnett, uh, Melissa George, who is a wonderful scream queen from the mid 2000s. Danny Houston, Ben Foster, um, based on a graphic novel. Uh, And yeah, this movie is not for the faint of heart. It is extremely violent, extremely bloody. But one of the like better mid 2000s, you know, vampire movies, it kind of came out right before the whole romantic vampire craze started. Uh, And these vampires are, are extremely uh animalistic right they're they're they are creatures as opposed to some sort of suave uh you know guy with a cape these they are monsters in this movie um love the setting unfortunately it was a, a, not a frame filmed in alaska it was all filmed in new zealand uh oh, which, that's something different yeah as a stand-in so we're not in yeah. canada we're not in alaska but not uh, in North America. Not in North America. America. Yeah. Yeah. Down in New Zealand. Um, okay. But there is just a, they're, they're definitely on location because the snow in this movie gives you such a claustrophobic feel. There's mm-hmm. so much snow. And I don't know if, if that actually tracks in Alaska, if, if the snow gets that, that dense and high uh, while you're walking around a t- a town. But then that paired with, the you know the 30 days of night which again i have no idea if that's actually true um if if you lose sunlight for a whole month up there yeah you do uh, i mean if you're far enough north yeah it's just frightening and and really really great movie yeah cool i i can't i can't hang with vampires so i have not seen that one but i'm glad to know it exists we need to find a film jenny that's about vampires on a train maybe with, oh that would with, be a movie that neither of us could watch that would be <laughs> driving the train vampires on a train no that'd be, awful. That'd be i had never heard of that film max i it sounds kind of great, but it, if so you're it, a fan of horror, it, it's a it's a rip roaring ride. It, it's great. Is it terrifying horror or campy horror? Uh, it's it's terrifying. It's it's taken very seriously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's good to know because that's you know, the different genres. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, Jay. Uh, time for my my last best film. Yep. Uh, am I allowed to, to to use the documentary I was in? <laughs> I'm well, just, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm dying to know what you're gonna say. Unless I'm, it's gonna be your documentary. It's it's not my. Okay, we'll talk about I'm that in a minute. In order, I kind of reversed my order. Honestly, my best number one would have been Frozen Ground, actually. Okay. Uh, oh, which is so 
this is actually what I would have called my number five, and it was on the cusp of being in my worst. So Jenny I probably totally now know what you're gonna say. You know what I'm Go gonna ahead. say. Yes. Is is this one on your list? In, in yep. Any, okay. Um, it is the movie, uh, the the film Into the Wild. I knew it. Really. I, I kind of figured this would be on someone's best list. Well, it, it, well, I think you're saying I, it is on your best list. Oh, best yes. List, oh, yeah. Excuse me. Chance of having been on my worst. So I would say I am deeply conflicted about this film. <laughs> so I'll say that the negatives for me are just like the Treadwell film. Yeah. I do not like this story mm. of this guy this is a dilettante a person from money who gets to to doesn't actually face any real consequences in his life and thinks that he has some kind of like mystical connection to whatever and does not take alaska seriously enough and dies as a result of it and i don't like the kind of hero worship of that sort of character mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i don't like that now I have this story and I have gone. Okay. I'm, I met him, oh. the actual character, uh, when he was, he was in Fairbanks, my freshman year of college. And I met him. He was reading the bulletin board <laughs> outside of a classroom building that I was going into. And it turns out it's in the book that he was looking for a rifle to buy for his, his outing. Uh, it's mentioned specifically in the book. So, I pretty sure the guy I met was him. So that's kind of a weird like personal connection. Uh, if you're not familiar with this story, it's about a, a, a teenager who is from a wealthy family and decides to throw that life's all away and like live sort of a hippie free lifestyle. He burns all his money uh, and eventually drifts into Alaska uh, seeking some sort of... Um, transcendence i guess and then eventually dies after poisoning himself because he doesn't know the difference between plants um well <laughs> and the, and the moose are big okay uh famously lived in a, a a bus that had been dragged by a bulldozer into the into the woods and that he lived in so first of all his dying was completely not not uh, required <laughs> Like it was what what led to his death was just his lack of preparation mm. and knowledge, so that's hard. For me. However, the film itself is far better than the book, which is not something I say very often. The author of the book, I, oh, I just spaced out, Jenny. The author's name, John Krakauer. John Krakauer. I have a love hate relationship with John Krakauer, but the book yes. is way too over the top with. Um, with the the love for Christopher McCandless. So, but the movie is a lot more balanced. I think the movie did a much better job of portraying him in the light I would like to have seen him in, which is sort of the tragic story of a young guy trying to figure himself out and not as a heroic character necessarily. The soundtrack, unbelievable. Uh, the opening or the the kind of, key song written by um eddie vetter absolutely stunning the whole the whole soundtrack is absolutely amazing 
Uh, it's directed by Sean Penn and kind of has like a, I don't know. It's well cast. And I don't know. Actually, Jenny, it's on your list. Uh, is it filmed? Anything filmed in Alaska of it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it was filmed around Cantwell. Right, which is near where the, the, the actual scene took place. Yeah, Cantwell is further south because where the bus used to yeah. be is um, is closer to Healy. Yeah. But um yes, not all of it was and and it's easy to forget to you that a lot of that film was set outside of Alaska. That was where he came at the Correct. end. Correct. But he traveled That's around the, the US yeah. um before that. So he was in LA for a while, for example, and that's in the film too. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenny, was this your number one? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um I yeah, I think for me the story overall lands a bit differently. Um, I feel like when I moved to Alaska, which was just a few years after Chris McCandless, aka Alexander super champ the real person the story is based on um had died and um for me it kind of hits on something that bothers me about the culture in alaska Mm. which is the people die because they're stupid um and he did die because he was stupid right like that that is legit in this case but to me there's like a um something that I really struggled with was this sort of always looking there's, there's unfortunately a lot of people that die tragically and young in Alaska and in accidents and um, suicide and drug overdoses and a a variety of things. And I really struggled with that being um, kind of accepted. And that is something that's really changed. I, I have noticed that that has isn't as much the case as it was when I first lived there 25 years ago. Um, It's still there, but it's different. And I think for me, it sort of, I I don't know, this movie kind of brought that out, even though, like Jay said, in this case, he did die because he was unprepared, you know, And, and there are times when people die and they were prepared and they did everything right and it just didn't work out. That wasn't the case for him, but it's still kind of, you know, people really not liking the book in particular. Not so much the movie, but the book, mm. um, which came out in, what, the mid-90s, Jay? Is that when yeah. Krakauer published the book? Yeah. yeah. At that time, um, I don't know. That was a little bit of a struggle. Even though it's a completely legitimate point in this particular case. <laughs> um, well, I have to say that I put it... I did put it on my list of wins was partly that I've mellowed on the story. Yeah. When I lived in Alaska, I felt like I had to, to like, and it, most Alaskans, I think. Yeah. Hated this story completely. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. And saw him as a, as an idiotic character, not a heroic one, not someone who should be celebrated. And I think I've gotten, uh, um, I've mellowed on the story a bit as it has also become less present as part of pop culture. Although that the bus that he died in is now at the Alaska Museum as an exhibit, and that people, uh, the other thing about this that bugged me was that people making pilgrimages to see his 
where he died on this bus on this trail had to be rescued a number of times which i was like that's the most ridiculous thing ever but i've come around a little bit to see it as like i don't know yeah it doesn't seem quite as i guess as dangerous i don't feel like i need to hold a line against it and i'm starting to feel a little bit like i'm a a little too bitter about some of these things like you know treadwell and and uh, and chris mccandless and i've i've eased up on it a little bit but i think it's unarguable that the film is really good yeah and and I'm, I'm just going to make one more shout again. Eddie Vedder does a killer job on the yeah. soundtrack for this. Yes. I remember the that soundtrack being a very big thing. It, and he yeah. nails the atmosphere mm-hmm. of yes. this film, too. It's Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Like, really, really excellent. I think the last thing I would say about it is that um, I agree with you, Jay, that the film was better than the book. And I think for the same reason and of course we've talked about this movie before that like a few times that um i i think the reason the film is so much better is that it the book felt very um kind of one-sided sort of like this person was really a hero and i felt like the movie was really just telling his story and Mm -hmm. so to me it landed differently when it was like a a very wealthy young man who kind of bristled against everything that he'd been brought up with, tried to find another way. And like, ultimately he, um, sorry, (laughs) deal with the dog. Um, ultimately he, uh, he, in the film, at least I feel like they sort of portrayed him at the end he really wanted to find a way back to society and and it was too late and i just sort of felt like that isn't necessarily true to the story right cuz no one was there with him when he died but i felt like the way they ended the movie kind of told a like a tragedy in a really like kind of holistic way and i think yeah. that's what i liked about it yeah and you know i think there's something to be said for that this is the only man versus wild film about alaska <laughs> uh that, that well no actually i'm this in the treadmill film yeah so kind of the the reality which is man never beats wild yeah wild is wild will outlive you every time except for john wayne <laughs> yes um i i had a question do you guys think that alaska is might be the only setting uh, in movies that when a story like Grizzly Man or Into the Wild uh, is is told on film, that the local population of this setting kind of pushes back on. Like, it, it does seem that uh, Alaskans... I think that's true. Are Alaskans, yeah. they're very not just... protective of, of Alaska. Yeah. And it's not just, like, intense movies like that either. I mean, when... Um... The TV series, uh, um, oh God, I, Northern I just, Exposure. Northern, Northern Exposure. Exposure. Yeah. yeah, I will tell you that Alaskans spent every day after that that TV show aired telling talk about how terrible it was, but they all watched it. Well, yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. That, that 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 show has like one of the best. It, it's supposed to be like one of the best. I've never seen it personally. It's but I've heard it talked about as like one of the best shows ever. 
Oh, it's a great show. It really is. Yeah. And I we think might have to do a TV episode another <laughs> we should time. Episode. Absolutely. But I think you're right. I think Alaskans in particular are a little bit, have a bit of a complex about being misrepresented. And it has a tone, I think, because of the thing like the Chris McCandless, it's like, don't send more people like this up here. Right. We don't want to have to rescue these people. That's kind of a, a part of that feeling is like, yes. oh, you romanticize this thing that's going to get people killed. Or we've spent an enormous amount of effort and time and suffering to learn how to live here. Yeah. And we don't want people to like, I don't know. And I that's think that's really legit. I mean, I, I think you're right, Jay. And I totally agree with that. And I think that makes sense. Yeah. But I think yeah. your critique too of, of the uh, urge of Alaskans to belittle and invalidate the death of anyone or any story like that. It's also part of that survival yeah. instinct. It's like we live in a riskier space. And so we have to like, yes. well, when people die, it's because they're idiots. Yeah. Wouldn't happen to me, you know, right. which yeah. all people do. Yes. But I think it's especially prevalent. And especially when this trope of the like man versus wild film comes out, I think yeah. Alaskans especially yes. uh, to jump on that. It's like, I remember I totally that, agree. that there's a scene in the edge where they kill a bear with a spear, mm -hmm. a sharp attack. And man, people did not like that. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you cannot, but you know, like, of course, like, that's not, no one's going to take that as life advice. <laughs> right. Like, I don't think anyone that saw that scene is like, I'm going to go to Alaska and sharpen a stick. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's that. true. <laughs> so I don't know what people were defending against, but you know, Anyway, I think that's a really good observation, Max. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, before we move on to the worst movies, since we briefly mentioned it, I want to just say that Jay was in a movie uh, oh. about Alaska. Uh, oh, it was a documentary. What? It is a documentary. Um, it is called Gates of the Arctic, Alaska's Brooks Range. Alaska's Alaska <laughs> Brooks Range. Something like that. So you Google that. Um, Gates of the Arctic, Alaska Brooks Range documentary. You will find it. Um, it was on PBS, like all over the country in the mid 2000s. And um, also Alaska Geographic ha has it for sale. So nice. if you want to learn about Gates of the Arctic National Park, I highly recommend that uh, movie because it's really good. And Jay is in it. Now, Lifting people in and out of helicopters is his main scene. Yeah, oh, that's right. They have me. <laughs> it's really great. I'm carrying that. Anyway, yes. You're an A-lister, Jay. Yes. No, is, this is a, like a one-hour PBS thing, uh, bit about a national park. It is not a real film. But Tour uh, Productions from Portland did a great job on this film, actually. Yeah. And, uh, it's good. It's legitimately good. I stole the power from their solar panels every time we ran into the film crew in the park that summer. Because, uh, and they had a cook, which meant that we were always, oh, hey, guys, we just ran into you again in the middle of this national park where there's only two groups of people. And like, hey, you want to cook us dinner? <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, anyway, it's a pretty it's it's not. Uh, but, you know, it and, is my and only, you were not my like the star life. of it, but you were in. No, it. <laughs> no, I am not. Although I would say that the, the people that are the stars of the film are some native Alaskan elders that was the yeah. subject of my master's ethnography. And um, th th although I, I, it's ridiculous to 
plug this film, which, which again, it's a 60 minute documentary for a PBS show. But the story of these folks is pretty impressive. These guys yeah. were like last living hunter gatherers in North America, uh, hiked out of this area that is in this film in the 1950s. Amazing human beings, really cool. And it's pretty like, so even though the, the movie itself is mostly just your typical national park promotional piece, it's kind of cool to see these guys. Are. Yeah. The Killick Mute story is really cool. And that by I, itself makes it worth seeing. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Worst films. <laughs> I am very afraid of this. But um, Max. Yes. Worst Alaska film that you've. That that you're I've familiar seen. with. Uh, yes. Okay. So. Unfortunately, there are. There, it's a very long list. <laughs> so. Yeah. I. Listen, it's very hard to make a movie, and <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you can you any movie you can pull out some good stuff from it. But one of my least favorite <laughs> uh, Alaska set movies is from 2002. It's called Snow Dogs. Uh, oh Cuba, yeah, Cuba Gooding yes. Jr. Um, oh, James no. James Coburn and Cisco. Uh, and you know this it's a disney movie it's about dog sledding i get you know it's supposed to be a comedic film i, I don't find it very funny it's not cuba gooding you know this was kind of the beginning of the fall of of his stardom um and unfortunately this movie just doesn't work which is too bad because i think the dogs are great and they're very cute and i like huskies um, but this film you can probably uh, skip if you're doing an Alaska film yeah. watch list, watch party. And not, and not so bad it's good either. Like just just kind of a, a fail. Yeah, yeah. Was, I agree. And it was it was a big. I, I remember Disney pushing this movie a lot. Like it was a big thing like this was going to be you know a, another big disney release and uh it flopped pretty hard mm -hmm. yeah i agree and if you want to see a good disney movie about alaska or a better one togo is 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 pretty good i i, I wanted to put togo on on my best of list but unfortunately i didn't have enough time this week to get to it yeah yeah it's a, it's a good one yeah um yeah, I agree with you about Snow Dogs. And it's really too bad because Cuba Gooding Jr. is, I mean, he's an amazing actor. I don't, I'm not quite sure where that went off the rails, but um, <laughs> but this is not about Alaska, but to redeem Cuba just a bit. Have you seen the series, The People versus O.J. Simpson? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he's fantastic. Phenomenal performance he's by Cuba. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. really good. Um. I also wanted to touch on with this movie because you kind of teased this a little bit throughout the week, the whole controversy between Balto and Togo. And once this is a dog centered <laughs> movie, I figured we, we could have that conversation. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Okay. So, um, it's not really too complicated, but there, there's another animated movie called Balto. Mm-hmm. Um, which is about the, so if you're, um, 
if you're not familiar for anyone listening with sort of the original Iditarod story, um, the, the Iditarod sled dog race started in the 1970s, right? So it doesn't go back that far. Mm-hmm. But the history um, and the reason it was created was to commemorate um, this um, event, historical event that happened in 1923. Is that right, Jay? The serum run? Uh, the serum run, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was an outbreak of diphtheria, which is a very deadly disease in Nome, which is far. What's that? It's 1925. Sorry. 1925. Thank you. I'm pretty sure. Um, and like this is 2023, so I'm like, hmm, <laughs> maybe that's not right. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, and so a dog team brought the um, treatment or the vaccine. I'm not sure which it was um, for to protect people from diphtheria in the middle of winter by dog team from Seward, which is you know like 1,500 miles from Nome. Um, all the way up there. And that's still part of that is the current Iditarod trail. Part of it is a hiking trail that goes from Seward up over um, the pass up there. So it's a big historical thing, but Balto was the lead dog that carried the serum actually into Nome, but Togo was sort of a little er, is often considered to be a little more of the hero because he kind of was a little more behind the scenes, but actually led the team for a longer distance through more difficult weather. So either way, it's a story about sled dogs saving a town, which is actually a really amazing story. So um, if you're at all interested in dogs in Alaska, those are both movies to check out, but also like you can just read a little bit about that event because it was pretty awesome. Yeah. 1925. Cool. That means 1925. The hundred year anniversary is coming up here. We're it probably is. we're probably due for another Balto or Togo movie. Yes. Yes. I think <laughs> so. Or some sort of movie about the. It's called the Great Serum Run. Yeah. Yeah. Iterod, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay, Jay. I'm, Talk to I, me. Where's I'm gonna one? You, I'm going to make you go first, dude. I. because i feel like if you don't say what i think you're gonna say i need to fill it with the backup i mean i need to tell a picture but okay um, okay well i mean i I can go but i'm going to if i go first then i'm gonna say two movies oh or you can go first and say what i'm sure will be one of them okay well i know we're both gonna say this Um, okay the movie is called on deadly ground Yes. Starring Steven Seagal. The yeah. worst actor ever. <laughs> and I think I wanted to, I have, a, I have a backup to this one, so I might bring that out later. But I think on the one hand, it's like, it's a Steven Seagal movie. What were you expecting? Mm, yeah. And I'll say, even for a Steven Seagal movie, oh my God, is this awful. And I think it's because <laughs> it's they awful. let him produce, direct it himself. Oh, yeah. yeah that's so so interesting. The level of egotism on display is unbelievable. It's, oh, it's so bad. But the reason I personally would pick it was basically for its portrayal of Native Alaskan. Yeah, it's really messed up. It's super offensive. They mix up up so much like Northern Plains, Indian, like 
of sort of mythology, not yeah. even real, whatever. And he kind of pat himself on the back for promoting promoting native cultures or whatever. Yeah, and, then, and oh. he really didn't do that. And there are so many other things that do right there's no reason to put up with this crappy movie and it's crappy portrayal of like oh, it's so bad uh, yeah oh, it's so bad it's really bad really epically horrible and there are scenes like it's supposed to kind of play itself as an environmental film only to like save the environment he blows up a, a, an offshore rig which not going to save the environment. Like no, that's no. going to destroy the environment that that oil yeah. rig is. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a person who worked on the uh, Deepwater Horizon oil spill, I will just say that maybe I'm a little sensitive to oil spills, but like, yeah. no, you're not helping the environment by blowing that up. So oh, bad. it's so terrible. There's the other thing is that they don't even uh, try to mix in. I mean, the, they like, he rides a snowmobile from what is definitely supposed to be the high Arctic coast. And he like rides it into California. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like Alaska. summer at the end of his ride. You're like, wait he a looks, minute, Steven, like, what were you doing? Snow and like takes off his jacket and he's definitely in the mountains of California during this. Yeah. And I'm like, I have never ridden a snowmobile so hard. I changed seasons. No, like, <laughs> no. So, I mean the, the, the like, Oh, it's so bad. Truly yeah. epically horrible. Yes. Bad one liners and not like 80s action movie bad that's pretty awesome. Yeah. No. It's oh the cringe. The cringe. It's, it's very cringy uh, and it's really embarrassing. I it think. really hurts. Yeah. 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 Although some I will say that some of the scenes were filmed in Alaska. Some of it was Which filmed near Valdez. Yeah. But still. And there are some okay. some like scenery shots that are pretty great. Yeah. It, but. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny I, I can't yeah. say i've ever seen this movie i've never been a huge Seagal fan myself no. uh you I think... can you can take our word for it give this one a minute <laughs> there's no redeeming qualities whatsoever zero i mean Nin- i try to think of one thing that isn't that would be make it worth seeing and i can't think of one 94 yeah. though is that that that's kind of in the middle of his his popularity isn't it yeah, Maybe because he's such a big star that they wanted that he was able to talk them into making him director of his own film. Like, yeah, he must have know. had a lot of power to to be able to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. My yeah. my my favorite Steven Seagal movie is Executive Decision, and spoil, uh, spoiler yeah. alert: that's because he dies in the first ten minutes. Yes, I mean it's not even ten minutes. That is my favorite part about that movie. I'm like. I was in the theater yes. and I'm like, oh God, Seagal is in this movie. Oh, Seagal. But only for a minute and then yep. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's really a Kurt Russell movie after that, which is no problem. Fantastic. Yeah. And Woo! I said earlier, I'm, and this is a callback to what I said earlier when I said I was going to bring this up about train movies. I also cannot forgive him for Under Siege to the Dark Territory, which is a <laughs> film that's supposed to be about a train going through a section where there's no radio coverage. It's truly terrible movie, but among the things in it, it, he, he sprays himself in the mouth with bear spray and is like, ah, it's just like hot sauce. If you get used to it. Oh my God. <laughs> no, nope, it's like, not. I feel like all of his films are completely unforgivable. Really, <laughs> truly, but really, really. This one's the worst. And I, I not just because of the, like 
the messed up portrayals of Alaska in general. Like they mix up things all the time. It's like it, it, you could not make any sense of the state of Alaska from this film. There's <laughs> no. no geographic consistency. There's no like it doesn't make any sense at all. He also at one point in the movie lights a cigarette by like putting it inside of like an oil refinery, like pilot light or something. No, 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 like, no. What it's, are you it's doing, a dude? Burning oil rig. Yeah. No, it's really he dumb. is supposed to be putting out because he's supposed to be this like daring firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. And he lights his cigarette as he walks away and then an explosion happens behind him. Ugh. <laughs> Terrible. Okay. So for me, it is a tie between that horrible film. And the travesty that is the 1997, oh, 1998. You're going to a dark place, Jenny. Film. <laughs> direct to TV, never played in a theater. Literally direct to TV. Oh, <laughs> oh, White Thunder and Glacier Bay. Baywatch. Oh, Baywatch. Oh. White Thunder in Glacier Bay. Oh, no. It's so, Max, it's so bad. (laughs) But it's more, okay, so here's the thing. When I was trying to decide which of these is legitimately the worst, and I really did put some thought into it um, because I was like, I don't want to be one of those people who hedges and picks two, even though ultimately I did. Um, I was really trying to think about, okay, which of these movies, they're both terrible, so which one is more harmless? And so at first I was like, well, the Baywatch movie is awful, but it's harmless, right? Mm, it's yeah. Baywatch. And then I rewatched it recently. And I was like, wait a minute. There is a scene where Neely runs from a bear. Hmm. And like, that's harmful because don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's not what you're <laughs> so supposed to do. So then I was like, sort of weighing the sort of societal uh, bad of a totally offensive and inaccurate portrayal of Native Alaskans, which is awful, against the awful advice to run from a bear. <laughs> and I feel like they both cause equal harm. And and so I don't, I can't, I don't know. I can't pick between no, the harm. They're both well, really bad. Well, and looking at the poster here, it looks like there's a cruise ship involved. Oh, oh it is it's, okay. This is <laughs> the this entire is movie is on a cruise ship. <laughs> this is a two-hour commercial for Princess Cruises. If yes. you wanted to make a drinking game out of this and die of liver disease, you would drink every time they say Princess Cruises oh. or the Love Boat or Alaska Airlines, both of which yeah. must have paid a wow. fortune to be yeah. represented in this. Yes. It's so bad. And but I think the true harm done by this film, and it is an it is an unforgivable offense to the humanity that that has had to see it is the Hoff sings. Uh, and it's it's not good. <laughs> it's not, not good. Uh, Truly. I mean it's not. I would put it on the level of COVID level of bad for the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really bad. Also, there's also that really stupid scene where after she runs from the bear even more harm. She then runs out onto that log and then somehow gets trapped under it, even though one, she's a lifeguard. She's a lifeguard. And two, like the log was floating, wasn't it? Is it just yeah, one it was, log? It was, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, you know, like here when there's like a down tree over yeah, a trail. Yeah. It was like that, but it was in the water, huh. like in a lake, and she was stuck I'm under it. And we're like, how is she trapped there? I want to say, I want to say. It's floating. They, she could just stand up. They, I don't know how much budget Baywatch had to film this. Um, this um, awful movie. But they needed to afford a little bit of more money and pay for Bart the Bear because what they got <laughs> the scary bear scene was the sweetest little black bear. Aww. I just wanted to like pet its nose and give it a treat. And it is supposed to be the big scary bear, and it is just not. Black bears it's are just not. Oh man. I mean, they can be black bears can be dangerous. It's not that. It's just that this is just not like. And I feel like some bear handler was like, I, but this bear, I don't want him to have to be dangerous. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Baywatch was a was a really weird uh, obsession that or fad that that came through America. It's yeah, I had no idea they they made a movie set in Alaska, which I guess w- would make sense, right? How do you do something different for the Baywatch movie? Well, you take them away from the <laughs> sand and put them in the snow. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that's, and I will that's say <laughs> it is almost entirely filmed on location in Alaska or on right, the Don on cruise ship and they film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although they do definitely make it seem like Glacier Bay is just like right outside of Vancouver. It's <laughs> like they sail out of Vancouver and they're like in yeah, what is Glacier here. Bay? And we're like, yeah. wow, that that's not what also, it looks they, like they on Vancouver Island. Shots of, like stock shots from from Denali National Park, like two days into their journey, and like. Right. Wow. And we're like, yeah, you don't get on that till like day eight or nine. How did they get to Denali? Anyway, yeah, it's pretty bad. Johnny, can I give because they went on a cruise tour, Jay? But you don't know that till the end. (laughs) Because then they're on the train, and you're like, oh, this is why they're in Denali. Okay, that makes sense. I I hesitate to ask this, but as a boon, may I ask to give my backup to my worst, even though we're like. This long episode. But, <laughs> but maybe, maybe or nine thousand of our confinement. But our producers on our producers on on the show. So okay. Yes. And it, you yes, know, if we have you may. This time we can cut this for time, but I have to give a shout out for my second. I had to. I had to, in case it slipped through the net somehow, call out the complete horridness that was on Deadly Ground. However. I, it was, you know, what did you expect from a Seagal movie? This film has no excuse. And this is a film called The Guardian. And it was from 2006. Now, I am, as a person who's been a mariner quite a bit of his life and is also in the world of, of emergency services, I respect the uh, National Coast Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard. Um, thank you for guarding our coasts, coasties out there. This movie is supposed to be something of a Top Gun movie, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing for the for the Coast Guard. There was a Japanese movie it was based on that's actually pretty good, at least in subtitles, since I don't speak Japanese. the The American version of it, I mean, this thing is star studded with a huge budget. It stars Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher and like a whole bunch of like other big names and. Um, and it's like almost three hours long too. It's terrible. It's essentially a greatest hits reel of like military movies set on the water. Only part of it is supposed to be set in Alaska. It's supposed to be set in Kodiak, the ending of it and the very beginning. 
But here's what the like kicker is. First of all, set in Kodiak, they filmed it all in Louisiana. Oh wow! Yeah, they like why? Like I, yeah. six, I, I don't remember. It, it was like many truckloads of ice and dumped them in the water to film icy water in Louisiana. You well, couldn't even go to Vancouver. Mr. Costner did not want to travel to oh Alaska. <laughs> the furthest he goes <laughs> north is Montana. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I can forgive filming about Alaska in, in Canada. I can forgive filming in the mountains of California. I mean, it's convenient to, to the Hollywood and it's mountainous and I can see the Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. No. Hard. No, 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 no. And it's really cringy so that was my that was my that was my backup um pulled out for the worst film i think i know why you don't like this movie is because it's directed by andrew davis who Who also directed above the law and under siege oh my god yes Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I love that Under Siege 2 was a bridge too far for you, Jay. But you were okay with the first one? The first one, he's like, well, he's in both of the films. He's supposed to be like a Marine who's a cook, but is like a badass because all Marines are badasses. And the first one's a cheese ball film, but it's, I don't know, it's all right. I mean, it's it's a Seagal martial arts maybe, but the second one was really bad. Anyway, this thing... Uh, that actually kind of makes sense. It is it is supposed to be a played straight, like serious movie about, um, uh, you know, real drama, and it's really not good. Anyway, that's my holdout. For it. <laughs> it's a good one. Okay, <laughs> anything else? We need to talk about with these movies. And obviously we've still only scratched the surface of movies about Alaska. Like, Oh yeah. I had a long are, are list way of more that mentions. we haven't even. Yeah. yeah. gone into. Um, okay. Because we started to talk about this and I was like, I can't think of very many. And then it just starts to balloon. Yeah. There's an Abbott and Costello movie that I had. To, that was the only film on VHS when I was stuck in a ranger station in uh, Northern Alaska once. And even with no other entertainment, couldn't make it through all the ones. That's it's a truly epic piece of work, completely done in a in a soundstage. Yeah, it's supposed to be set in Alaska. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's I, a really. I would entertaining be. I would be skewered uh, at the stake if, uh, you know, any of my fellow film students didn't hear me mention Gold Rush, the famous oh, Charlie yeah. Chaplin movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. Have we you... watched it this quarter uh, in, a, in my film history class. Really? And it it's a piece it of okay? of brilliant filmmaking. I mean, Chaplin was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that it has much to do with the uh, the setting yeah. of Alaska, other than like they're snowed in a, in a cabin and it's cold. Um, but good. You know, we, didn't, good we, didn't, like, we didn't really get to the, I mean, where this wasn't the level of intellectual that you're probably used to in talking about film, but I do think it's kind of interesting how these films represent a public sentiment about Alaska at the time of their production. Oh yeah. You know, it, the, the, the North to Alaska film, part of this romantic, you know, kind of a uh, uh, period of time. And then you look at the films in the last 20 years, they're all dark. 
Oh, it's all uh, it's all scary and horror and yeah, yeah, survival movies as Jenny was pointing out yeah. earlier. I think we're we're more focused now on Alaska as a harsh landscape and you know the power of nature and that kind of stuff and not on that. Even in the early 90s when um um oh god, I just face that again. When that when uh, the TV show about you know, <laughs> Northern Sicily Exposure. Northern Exposure was on. Yeah. Uh was kind of optimistic goofy you know, time, but that like faded really quickly into these more intense. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I I think, uh, I I think it, unfortunately we're, we're, it's going to kind of continue with that dark theme. You know, uh, one of the uh, reasons we kind of started throwing this episode around is because I was talking to Jenny about um, uh, the new true detective uh, season coming out this winter is set in Alaska and we know oh, really? that if it's going to be anything like True Detective, you know, yeah. the other seasons, it's going to be extremely dark, violent, scary, all that stuff. Well, and to be honest, some of that is is a is a a more real look at. I mean, not to not to, but Alaska has actually more crime than you'd think in the the public eye, and there's a lot of there's a lot of unsolved crime. It's actually a there's a really good podcast series that's about the disappearance of um, uh, of one of Alaska's politicians, and that. Well, anyway, that's a whole other topic. But but it is kind of interesting to watch the wheel turn as to what the public opinion is of Alaska and how that is represented in film, and then how that film then informs the public about what Alaska is. Right. And reality TV is maybe now more of a driver than film, but yeah, that's a whole other. Oh, sadly, don't don't get me started on that. all right okay well we have touched the surface of some of the best and worst alaska movies um thanks for being with us max and uh, and doing this absolutely guys any any time uh again i i i always love talking movies and uh it's it's a pleasure to to be on the show and thank you guys for for inviting me and and all the awesome work you do on this show you know i i think i always tell people when when i tell people that about the shows i i work on uh you know almost everyone or at least 90 percent, is like alaska uncovered how'd you get hooked up with that and (laughs) and i'm just like well you know it's an really interesting show it's something i don't think i ever would have seeked out myself but after listening and editing and and working with you guys for close to a year um it it's a show i listen to every single week and it's something i look forward to so thank you so much actually we should uh, plug your shows uh yeah yeah you sh- uh please go check out uh thechatternetwork.com has all these shows uh available and and their locations where you can listen to them uh, on different apps um i co-host on excuse the intermission which comes out on thursdays and the silver screams podcast which comes out on mondays um and then i work on on various other shows like the entrepreneur podcast uh, hey, football head, drinking and talking animals, and of yes. course, Alaska Uncovered. Aw. Thanks, Max. Thank you. Thank you, Max. And thanks, all of you. If you are still with us, you must really love movies <laughs> or listening to Max and Jay and I talk, which is pretty fun. 
Um, so thank you so much for being with us for another episode of Alaska Uncovered. And if you didn't know and you hadn't heard yet, I have a brand new Alaska travel planner that will help you go step-by-step step through all of your entire planning process with me giving my expert advice along the way that you'll have uh, right there within it. So it's pretty sweet. And there's a link to it in the show notes. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.